Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast with Matt Caval, Matt LeBeau, and Jack Webster. Can you believe it? Joe Castiglione. We'll figure out how to get Ian's name um, in there. Eventually. Oh, yeah. I actually play the field much at all. I was a pretty bad fielder. Oh, but could you hit dingers? Uh, no, no, no dingers either. <laughs> Uh, whoever has their TV on, uh, you can hear it in the background. Man, it's probably me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. That that was a false start I, 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 on the field. Enough. Yeah. All right. Um, down. All good. Three. Yep. Two. Buenas noches, amigos, and welcome to episode 56 of Not Another Socks Podcast. I am Jack Webster here with uh, Matt LeBeau and Ian Doran, as always. Fellas, Matt LeBeau is back on the show. <laughs> Rescued from the pits of despair. Was missing in action. We missed you last week. Uh, you know, thankfully we had the pinch hitters, but uh, welcome back. Yeah, well, glad to be back. Uh, feeling like Trevor Story up in this bitch. Um, <laughs> it, uh, oh! Well, sorry, Adam Duvall just hit a home run, yeah. um, which, is, which is great for the brand, great for the team, great for the club. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a bomb. But yeah, I, again, sorry to all the loyal listeners uh, for missing last week, and obviously, public apology to Jack and Ian for the miscommunication. And um, frankly, I, I was just asleep, which is it's it, it happens, you know. Um, but nonetheless. Glad to be back. Excited to talk about a very busy week of Red Sox baseball. A lot happened. Not a lot of great stuff happened, but a lot happened. Um, when you say the loyal listeners um, uh, for listening, uh, our loyal listeners are Kyle and Tim John. So, like, right. they, they definitely listened to that. And and, and they, they were actually on the show. So yeah. that was fun. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, two, the two most loyal listeners ended up getting on the show, which was yeah. really awesome. And we're glad that they... Stepped up big time. And also, uh, if you are listening, we are recording during game two against the uh, Royals right now. You can probably pick up Adam Duvall just at the bomb. So it's 3-1. We might be um, talking about a little bit what's going on in the game, too. Just a little live reaction. But, uh, you know, that's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz. Well, I mean, before we, like, jump back to it, I can't believe we're losing 3-1 to the Kansas City Royals at the start of this episode. As I... What's... All right, let's get right into it, guys. I can believe it, unfortunately, yeah. What's what's the problem? What's the problem? Why are the Red Sox not winning games? They have good players. They have a, a presumably a good team going on here. We have been winning going up to the deadline, and now we're falling farther and farther out of a wild card spot. What is the problem? Honestly, I mean, you're right. We do have a good team. You look at like a lot of the OPSs. You look at you know a lot of the starters that we have. So I really don't think the team that was assembled is really too much of the problem. It really just feels like we just play bad. Like, obviously, <laughs> the defense has been, you know, a problem all season. Uh, we've had a lot of mental mistakes. Like, you know, we'll get into what happened uh, Saturday uh, to end the game, which was just the some of the worst baseball I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, so that really does come down a lot of the times to the coaching. Uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, seem not ready. Like, you know, we'll talk about uh, Verdugo showing up late and getting benched in that game as well. Uh, so it just really doesn't feel like, you know, 
Um, we're putting our best foot forward uh, most games, you know. Sometimes you'll see us get, like, on a hot streak kind of, like, right after the All-Star break, and then after that, you know, yeah, have your teeth fucking kicked in and then lose to the A's and then, you know, lose uh, to a bad team like the Royals right now. So uh, it just really feels so inconsistent this year. Like, I've said it a hundred times before on the show, but the season is, like, literally just the meme it's over we're back and you know it never really knows where we are on that spectrum yeah and, and um honestly it really is i think spectrum is a good word to use um no offense but um <laughs> no, 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 no offense oh man to, no offense to that is on it but yeah i think this this team's just stupid like it's it's they're 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 there because like when you talk about holes the 2022 Red Sox had so many holes, um, and it was just obvious. They, they, were, they just weren't a great team, and they had no bullpen. They you know, did not really hit that well. The young players did not step up. Uh, this team really on paper, and, I mean, the other aspects of the game, like, you know, when, when you look at um, the other side, which is not on paper, like maybe on paper they might be just a decent team, but when it all comes together, they're actually – there's not that many holes. I mean, the starting pitching is obviously one, but I mean, they haven't been too, too bad on the mound. Um, it, it's just more of inconsistent play. And I think a lot of that at some point does have to, you know, you do have to look at the manager a little bit. Um, I'm not an Alex Cora hater. I have my moments with him, but um, <laughs> they're, they're just wildly inconsistent and very frustrating to watch, but it is, it is three to two. So we're, yeah. we're fighting. We're, Fighting their way back. Seconds ahead of me too, so I, I so, like the spoilers, and you know, yeah. really uh, makes me feel less less tense watching the game. Yep. Um, Good. But no, um, I think there is one guy to really blame on the coaching staff. You know, obviously um, Carlos Fables has been a little up and down. Pete Fatsé has a little been up and down, but the guy I think who's just been absolutely horrible this year is Carlos Fables with our infield defense. Like he did not look like he taught Trevor Story how to play shortstop at all. This is a guy that played shortstop before and was just absolutely horrible. Devers has been a little up and down. He's looked better this year than in years past, but he still has 13, 14 errors. Casas has, you know, been um, not the best defensive first baseman. You'll take it there. And then second base has just been a revolving door. We haven't even had a consistent guy there. So it's been really disappointing to see that. And then you also, you know, have a lot of incidents of, uh, you know, sending guys home when you probably shouldn't have or holding them up when you shouldn't have at third base, too. So I just have no fucking idea what he actually contributes to this team. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big fire Alex Cora guy either. I'm sometimes a little up on him down, too. But I definitely think, you know, the coaching staff needs some revamping in the offseason, probably more than anything else uh, on this team that's going to be any what anything of a fix. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I feel similarly about Alex Cora, right? I really like the guy, and the thing I like most about Alex Cora as a coach, especially for this team, is he cares about the players. I find he makes so many moves to care about the players, either giving them rest or adjusting their their order to, to face a specific pitcher. Like He's doing a lot of things that are very player-centric and very lineup-centric, but at the same time, I'm watching him bench Duran against specific pitchers, which is confusing to me because Duran is getting on base and he's stealing bases. He's stealing home base. <sighs> I, I I like Cora. I like him a lot, but I, I agree. 
there's a, there's a problem there I think needs to be discussed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest, my biggest gripe with Alex Cora is when you're a, like a 500 team and you're battling it out um, and you're fighting for a playoff spot night in and night out, I, I like a manager who can manage a full 162-game season and manage it like the, the big picture. Sometimes I feel like Alex Cora is, is too big picture. You know, like you, you got a chance to maybe sweep a team or avoid a sweep. And, you know, maybe you told Rafi he was getting a day off like a week ago on this specific day. But, like, now we need a win. You know, like, it, it, it maybe now is not the time. You know, you, you got to manage. I think you have to have a balance between managing a full season, which is a long season, but also situationally making the lineup. So, hey, like, we're going up against this guy. Um, we need a win. You know, sorry, can't give you a day off. Need you out there. Yeah. I, I think or- it's really that simple. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, Cora definitely sticks to his plan, and there's something to be said about, you know, trusting the process, doing things the way that you believe in them, but it does feel like sometimes, you know, he's not willing to venture off the bean path when, you know, we are kind of desperate for uh, to avoid really getting the sweep. If, if Honestly, I'm more annoyed when it's like, oh, yeah, we lost, uh, you know, rubber match against the Oakland A's and now you're benching Devers or you're benching Duran, even though it's against a scrub lefty uh, or Casas or something like that, when you're not putting your best lineup forward and, you know, you can just give him a day off and or at the beginning of the next homestand against whoever. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, it's not always a bad thing because really, you know, down the stretch here, uh, we have about 49, 50 more games to go. Every game matters so significantly now that I'm not sure that we are really in a position to, you know, stick to that plan for the rest of the year if we really want to have any chance, especially from an outside point of view, four and a half, five games out of the wild card spot. Like, you know, you, you got to play every game almost like it's a must win at this point. Even uh, more so. Sorry, sorry, LeBeau, to no, cut you okay. off. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it, no. You're, you're a sweetheart. But more to more to the point, was there any reason the Red Sox should have been swept by the Blue Jays in our last series against them a few days back? Is there any reason to lose three games in a row to the Blue Jays? Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the reason is the Red Sox got outplayed, especially the last game of the series. Uh, they also had some bad luck. You know, we're, we're I'm not going to be um, ignorant to that. They, I, they, they cut it close, but they, they ran the bases like shit. And there really wasn't much of a reason why I, I felt like I, I, Bale was on adequate amount of rest for the Sunday game, right? He, mm. he was on four, four days, I believe. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah I think he had so. time. Yeah. He had plenty right. of time. So when you, when you're looking at the schedule and you're, you're saying, all right, we got a game against the blue Jays. We need a win. Right. And you, the, the, the game that Bayo's supposed to pitch is against Kansas City. Move things around. Swap them out. You know, you need a win against the Blue Jays to avoid the sweep. Um, I would have been very pleased to see Bayo pitching that Sunday game as opposed to last night. Hey, it worked out last night. He pitched well. Um, you know, you don't want to mess with a young guy like that too much. But he's been your ace. Throw him against the team that you need to get a win against. I don't think it's that hard i think it's pretty simple no and i mean 
going back to just like why we got swept by the Blue Jays. Obviously, you had Paxman on the mound that first game, and it was maybe his worst start in a Red Sox uniform, and that's saying a lot because he still gave us a chance to win. It really, you know, came down to the bats half the uh, half the time too because three runs aren't usually going to beat you against a very good offensive team like the Blue Jays. And, you know, they are a good team. There's a reason why they're in a wild card spot and we aren't. They, uh, you know, put together a lot of talent. And, you know, in a lot of ways they've been disappointing too. And there's no reason why they really shouldn't be on top of the uh, division right now since, you know, the Rays have uh, fallen off. The Orioles, you know, have a lot of holes, especially in terms of pitching too. So, um, obviously, you know, you see every team in the division above 500, even the Yankees that are extremely poverty. But... (laughs) You know, the the Blue Jays are a good team, and I, I really do feel like they've maybe underperformed uh, the second least amount in the um, – or second most amount in the uh, AL East behind the Yankees, obviously, because they're just a dumpster fire. Uh, so that that game uh, Friday kind of felt winnable. You know, uh, you, you go to the, some bad guys like Yolvera in the uh, bullpen, who's fucking awful, maybe the worst pitcher I've seen in a long time here. Literally, <laughs> human white flag like Joe Jakes, but – uh, that game felt winnable at the end of the day. And, you know, it, it's just one of those ones where um, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, you aren't always able to. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is a this is a great example right here, right? He steals, goes by Connor Wong. Connor Wong, you know, he, he gets the baseball pretty fast, but he, he's not looking. Like, he's not paying attention. And no one's yelling, like, hey, he's going to third. He doesn't even see that he's going to third until he looks himself. He doesn't know he's going to third until he looks himself. Like, that's fucking insane to me. You got 25 guys on this team. You got a manager. You got, you know, six more coaches. How does he fucking not know he's going to third until he turns around and sees him? I just don't understand. It really is fucking ridiculous. Last night, Adam Duvall fucking jogs through a ball. I mean, it's Fenway Park. You can get a double out of anything. I could get a fucking double if I hit it in the right spot. I'm the slowest person I know. He jogs the fucking baseball. All of a sudden, he looks up, and the guy's going too. I mean, it's unacceptable. It's just stupid shit yeah. that just really pisses me off from major leaguers and from a guy that Alex Cora, who was so fundamentally sound in his career, um, and he is like a, you know, preaches fundamentals. Why are we not doing that? And it seems like the only guy that's being held accountable for a lot of these types of no mental errors has been Alex Verdugo. I mean, I don't even disagree for the reasons that he was uh, bench first time around, certainly not uh, second time around being late to the ballpark and lying about it. And, you know, that's all fine, but it just really feels like we've seen mistakes like that from almost every single person on the ball club night in and night out. And, you know, you don't see them being taken out of the game. You didn't see Duvall, you know, get uh, taken out for Verdugo or anybody else uh, in the ninth inning or uh, eighth inning, whenever that happened. Uh, you haven't, you didn't see Kike, you know, um, miss really any starts for all the errors and mistakes that he made. You've seen guys, you know, just really just be a little bit careless out there at times, make stupid mistakes on the base pads, um, forget or uh, not realize the ball is going to be caught in the outfield and end the game rounding third base, which uh, may have been the most frustrating moment of the entire season, but. Uh, yeah, no, it, it just feels like really bad baseball. And, you know, it feels very mixed about when it's accountable or not. Yeah, so it, it's definitely easy to recognize when Verdugo was making mistakes like that or making mental errors because 
his glove in the outfield has been infallible, right? He, he's been an elite defender in the outfield. It's so easy to catch when the guy makes a mistake because Verdugo doesn't make a ton of mistakes, at least on the defensive end. On the offensive end, he, I think he swings at a lot of things he shouldn't. I think he's grounding into a lot of double plays. The bat could use some work, but it's so easy to recognize when he makes a mistake in the outfield because that glove has been reliable since he took since he took the field on day one of the season. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, you made an error, like you should be benched or something like that. But they're just like straight up bad baseball plays that are being made across the diamond a lot of times. Like literally, like LeBeau, you just mentioned, Connor Wong was not paying attention or like giving it his full on uh, that ball that got past him, let a runner go to third. That ended up in a run now too, just on a ground out, which probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. So these things really do add up. I feel like, you know, if we just literally played better, like just not bad, uh, we would probably be five games up in a wild card spot right now. But that really has been the difference this year. And that's, you know, why, um, unfortunately, we may or may not make the playoffs. Like that's really going to be the de- uh, deciding factor. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you're absolutely right. It doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. Oh. Did you? Did I lose you guys? No, we're good. No, no, you're good. You're, good. you're still here. All right, yeah, all right. Yeah. Unfortunately, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't look like they're gonna make the playoffs, but um, you, you know, you're absolutely right. It is just stupid little things, um, and it's very frustrating to watch. And that is really the one of the perils of um, kind of building a team with you know a computer. Fuck me, this game's over. Um, but you know. You have to identify guys that not only obviously will put up good numbers 162 games out of the year, but you will, you you know you need character, brains, and you need high baseball IQ uh, at every position, or else you know you're gonna be in a tough spot. This really fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, I can't <sighs> wait for people to listen back to this episode to realize just what it's like when the not another Sox team watches a baseball game, especially when the Sox are doing bad. Um, so to, to circle back real quick, uh, one thing that we had just mentioned a moment ago was was if it's bad luck, right? And as we uh, ingrain into the numbers a bit more, we come across what's more or less the luck statistic, the BABIP, um, bats against balls in play, if I'm remembering, if I'm phrasing that correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you guys think that the luck statistic, the BABIP, is just skewing against us, is not skewing in our favor, and we're playing an unlucky team? Or do you think we're underperforming at a level that is so unforgivable that the BABIP isn't going to help us even in our favor? Yeah, maybe we've had a bit of bad luck. I mean, you see some of the expected stats supposed to be better for uh, especially a lot of our pitchers uh, in Whitlock and Sale and um, Halk as well. So, you know, you can't really blame that at the end of the year. You know, you always see people kind of half-heartedly be like, oh, you know, our expecting batting average was better this game. Like, we should have won. And, you know, over the course of a season, I get, that does add up. But, um, you know, breaks go each way. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you have a guy that might even be overperforming on our team sometimes. And um, I, I'm not really sure you can use that too much of as a, a real excuse on a team-wide basis, maybe for a guy, he gets a bit unlucky throughout the year. But, uh, you know, it's hard to blame it when it's 26 guys over the course of 162 games because things really do even out a lot of times. Right. And, I mean, that's that's really the, the key. You, you do have to remember this is 162 games. Always going to even itself out at the end of the year 
Um, sure, I would say this team has been relatively unlucky. Um, I also do believe that this team is better than the record shows. Um, and I don't always believe 100% of the time that the best teams will make the playoffs. I think that some teams get luckier than others. And I think that the 2021 Red Sox is probably a good example of that. I mean, that team was a good team. But you also have to remember that that team had a lot of issues with COVID, and they won a lot of games when they had a lot of COVID guys, uh, when they really shouldn't have won games. I mean, that one game against the Guardians that really sticks out. Jonathan um, Aruz, baby. Right, Jonathan Aruz. Like, that that one really sticks out. If that was 2022 or 2023, then they would have lost that game. So, yeah, we were luckier. We had a little more magic. Um, but you, you do need that in a, in a season. And I think that every team that – that has, every Red Sox team that's won 90 plus games has had a little bit of luck. You know, uh, this team maybe doesn't have as much, but at the end of the day, this team is just not that good. You know, yeah. I think <laughs> the only team that didn't need luck was 2018. Literally, I don't think anything right. could have stopped them. But yeah, no, 21, uh, you have a little bit of luck. You know, if this was 2021, that ball on Saturday off of Connor Wong's bat actually hits the wall and it's a tie game, or you know, maybe you get the lead. But instead, we ended up losing on a double play, which uh, was something, again, just some of the worst baseball that, you know, you can imagine. <laughs> you know, Reese McGuire is running the bases, you know, like um, he hit a home run. He literally thought he hit a home run. He was pointing his finger up and everything. And, you know, Carlos Fabless was in that same position, too, who I fucking ranted on earlier as well. And then, you know, to have that happen at your own home ballpark is just mind-blowing to me. How do you not know where a ball is going at your home ballpark. I remember Connor Wong hit it off the bat. I did not think it was a home run really for a second. Um, like I thought, hey, maybe, you know, um, it's a double off the wall. It was a little bit hard to tell. Kiermaier had a great read on it. But um, there's no reason why he should have been rounding third completely because even if it is off the wall, you can still score uh, if you're going halfway and you don't get thrown out at home or something like that, even though you are Reese McGuire. So that, that one really felt like just almost a summary of the season of just boneheadedness, just bad baseball. And, you know, in a one run game really cost us. Uh, and, you know, yeah. if you went, if you ended up losing that rubber match, that sucks on Sunday. But getting swept is even worse. Like that was just like absolutely fucking gut wrenching, uh, getting fucking blown out of the water not even feeling like we're in the game, having to pitch Pablo Reyes uh, in the ninth inning as well, uh, who's one you, who was only one of two guys that threw a scoreless outing that game too. <laughs> Shout out to Shohei Otani, Pablo Reyes. Um, you know, the uh, many are calling him the Dominican Otani, which uh, I think is very fair. I would almost call um, Otani the Japanese Pablo Reyes, but, you know, <laughs> each their own. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, and it, it comes down to Reese's Pieces McGuire caught with his pants down. Just That's a horrible, yeah, horrible base running mistake, and you can't make you can't make any more of those because it's costing us games, and it's costing us games to the team that's directly ahead of us in the wild card spot. So losing to them every single time is putting us farther and farther behind the team we're trying to catch. Right, the, those those games are worth even more that they put in wins and we put in losses. Uh, Put, to, put us in a really, really tough spot. I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, they got to be better. And, and they, those games against the Blue Jays, they have to be treated differently. You've had a good run against the, the division this year. You won a lot of games against Toronto, New York, Tampa. Uh, but, you know, you have to be better 
in, in those really, really big games. So, um, and the other thing too, you know, and I know obviously we'll talk about this. I don't know if it, if you want to talk about it now, but you got to do something at the deadline. You know, you got to give the guys in that clubhouse that have been grinding all season a little bit of a boost. Um, it, it's an emotional boost. You know, on paper, it might not make the biggest difference in the world, but it's going to be a big boost for the club. It's going to energize them. It's going to motivate them. And, and Hein Bloom has yet to do that. It was. I mean, he got Kyle Swarber, but when he traded for him, he was hurt. He went on the, uh, the IL for – I don't think he played until, like, mid-August. Nope. You have not got one – one trade deadline acquisition this in his entire tenure where the guys in the clubhouse the next day after the trade deadline were like, all right, we got this guy, you know, let's, let's roll. This guy's going to help us. You know, even yeah. if, even if he's not really going to fucking help us at least act like you did something. I mean, fuck. Well, actually, so LeBeau, uh, I know we, we had missed you last week. We talked a bit about the trade deadline. What yeah, are your right, thoughts on, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Urias trade? Um, I mean, it's fine, you know. It's a, it's a it's a nothing trade to me. Um, I, I don't I don't care like about him. <laughs> I think that he's pro- he's probably an upgrade from Yu Chang. Uh, I, I, I'm not so sure he's an upgrade from Pablo Reyes. I, I see a lot of people say that, but I don't. I haven't really seen that. Um, he's fine. I mean, he's fine. I, I I have no issues with him. But I mean, it's not like we gave up anything to get him. So. Yeah, no, uh, uh, Urias at his best is a two-win player, pretty average, kind of almost a bench guy on a lot of teams. You know, Pablo Reyes uh, improved his uh, B-War by .7 with uh, Monday night's game alone, too, which, you know, thank God that we ended up winning that game. We'll get to that in a bit, too. But, you know, I see a lot of people saying that Urias is your starting second baseman in 2024. And you know what? If he has a good two months here to end the season and, you know, you kind of see more of that old player— then sure, but I would not mind an upgrade there, or maybe you get it, you know, a shortstop and uh, you move Story back to second base. But you know, I don't want to have another season of just literally a platoon situation, just like out of position, like we had at our entire middle infield since you know our starting two shortstops and uh, Kike Hernandez and Yu Chang already gone off the team because both were just really bad at the end of the day. And so I would like a little bit more sustainability there, it feels like. And, you know, uh, you do wish you got a pitcher. It sounded like, you know, we probably should have, even if it doesn't have to be a, you know, long-term controlled guy, which uh, is the preference, uh, obviously. But, like, even if you got, like, a Lorenzen and you gave up, like, a Nick York for it, I wouldn't really have been mad at all just because, you know, Maybe you don't have to bullpen on Sunday. Maybe you actually have a chance to compete in that. And same thing with Saturday. And same thing with tomorrow's game. We don't even know who's going to start. You kind of thought it might be Lamed, and now he's pitched today, too, and kind of shit the bed as well. So what is it going to be, Kyle Barclaw, whatever his name is? That's fine for a start, but, you know, that doesn't replace an actual major league pitcher that you could have gotten out there and got where, you know, you have a strong farm system and are able to actually sacrifice some of these pieces. So I, I hope that, you know, we eventually see something like that here, hopefully for a pitcher in the offseason. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's only going to be so many chairs for these positions. And it's OK to, you know, actually get something that you need now 
Or, you know, if you decide this team's not worth investing in, it's okay to trade Paxton or Adam Duvall. Instead, you know, we ended up doing neither. We talked about it a lot last week, too, but it really just kind of felt like the worst of both worlds, and now we're kind of suffering through it without improving for the current or the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolute shame. But I, I will say I highly disagree with both of you. I think Urias is your 2024 starting second baseman. I think he's he's performed above average in recent years. This year was rough, but since moving to Boston from Milwaukee, his OPS plus has gone from 55 to, as I'm reading the stat right now, 98. We've seen that skyrocket yeah, in just a few games. games. Right, right. So it, it was a small sample size, um, but that difference was made right away. He came over, he's hit the ground running. He is a second baseman. We're not going to be filling holes or gaps with utility men. I think he's your starting second baseman for 2024. And if he proves his medal, I think he'll start into 2025 until Meyer comes up through the system. I, I just, you know, would like an improvement. I mean, at his best, he's a two-win player, kind of like what you're saying. At Christian Arroyo's best, he's a two-win player, and, you know, now he's playing down in Worcester because that was kind of the plan going into this year. So it really feels like, you know, we haven't really had that position secured. You thought so with Trevor Story, and now he's your uh, shortstop. So TBD on him, I will definitely give him a pass for the rest of the year to perform. But, you know, this is a tryout right now for me. I mean, it, um, uh, and you know, if he kind of shows that he's the player that, you know, was hurt for the beginning of the year, then I wouldn't mind it. And, you know, if he is your starting second baseman next year, Hopefully you get, you know, maybe another left-handed bat to complement that. But, um, you know, I, I would like to see a bit more. I, I would like to see a potential all-star infield. I mean, it, you, it's it's certainly there. You can do it. Um, I, I don't see any any scenario if um, Rafaela continues to hit where, you know, Urias is, is a, a, a starting second baseman over him. Um you know, at least for the short term, I'm not saying he'll play second base his whole career, but, uh, you know, his, 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 the way he's hitting, at least you just got to at least try it out. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't, I mean, you can have one guy like that, you know, and the Red Sox would have, the way the lineup is right now, they would have like just one guy like that, that is pretty much a black hole um, offensively. But I would give Rafael the, the opportunity for a second. Um, I don't think he's played much second. He probably can. I mean, he's very good for the top as well. Uh, I, I definitely think the plan for him is to play outfield. And, you know, we'll see what happens to Alex Verdugo in the offseason, whether we end up trading him or extending him, because I really hope it's one of the two. Uh, and, you know, after uh, him being benched for being late this uh, last week, LOL. Uh, not giving you too much confidence in that regard for the long-term future since apparently had some issues with that in L.A. too. And, uh, you know, that's a whole different other discussion. But, you know, if you move uh, Duran to right field, uh, Yoshida in left, and you have arguably the best defensive center fielder in baseball right now in your system, um, and Rafaela, who's also hitting big boy bombs, um, you know, I think that would be ideal too. So he, he gives you a little bit of flexibility. Um the chase rate and the walk rate does concern me a little bit, but you know, I would like to see him even before the end of the year, especially if this team is out of it. I, I want to know what we got. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think I, I really do think Verdugo in the off season will be traded. Um, and, and I don't really know if it's so much about like the attitude, the lateness, you know, whatever. 
I do really think that it is more of the fact that he's had every opportunity to turn into a good player, and he showed flashes. Uh, he has the talent, and every year since he's been here, at the end of the year, you'll look and, and you'll see that he's had a worse year than the year prior. Uh, this year was looking like the, the year he was going to kind of finally take that step, especially early in the year. Um, it, it didn't work out. Um, there's still time to salvage that, but he's going to have a worse year than 2022. He's going to have a worse year than 2021. In 2022, he had a worse year than 2021. Um, you, you just can't, you just can't do that. You know, you're, you're, you've been given every opportunity. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just time to move on. Yeah. It kind of feels like Bennett's ending near the end too. I mean, um, like he came out really swinging. He looked like he could be an all-star. I don't think he ever actually was one for us. Um, and then, you know, just kind of was like, oh, okay, you know, next year he's going to break out and next year after that. And, you know, he could have made an all-star this year. And then, you know, all of a sudden he has a uh, under 500 OPS in the second half of the season now, which really brings down the, you know, uh, offensive numbers for the season too. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, I, it's hard to put a lot of confidence in a player like that, especially when they are on a one year deal after this season. So, um, I, I, you know, I like Alex Verdugo. I don't really want to even trade him for any of the attitude problems. I, uh, know that was part of, uh, what I just said, but, uh, I don't think that's really too much of an issue. He seems like a really good clubhouse guy too. Guys seem to like him a lot, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he kind of is same thing, like a two to three win player. And if you can get an upgrade over that, then that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and I mean, the other thing too is is it's hard. Sorry, after you, buddy. No, no, no. Please, by all means. All right, I, mine's going to be really quick. It's hard to be a left-handed hitter at, at Fenway. Um, the, the Red Sox have had some great left-handed hitters, but they've all been power hitters, and it looks like Cassis is kind of the next wave. But um, it's not easy, you know. Verdugo, Benintendi, uh, J.D. Drew. These guys were. They're good players. They're, they're totally fine players, but they're going to be limited in terms of like how many home runs they can hit because, you know, it is a long way to right field. Um, and they're, they're, you know, it's, they're not, it's not Yankee stadium. So um, you're going to max out like 15 to 20 home runs. These guys are better off in, in Yankee stadium or, or somewhere else. So speaking of the Yankees, um, thankfully, you know, uh, definitely seems like the sky is falling a lot of times in Boston, <laughs> uh, even when the team is good. But it really is right now for the New York Yankees. Uh, they had a lot of holes that were clearly needed to be filled. They needed a third baseman, and they needed a left fielder. They probably needed another starting pitcher. Um, instead, they added just some random-ass reliever from the White Sox and uh, former Lakewood Blue Claw Spencer Howard. So they are very much in it right now, and they had real expectations for the year. I think you know most Red Sox fans kind of thought this team would be a bit average at the beginning of the year, and you know it's hard to be mad. When you think they're going to be average, and they're average. But the Yankees had such high expectations, and uh, their future is also shit, too, in terms of uh, the amount of money that they owe to players and their farm system. So um, I, I'm just still, you know, thicking through no matter what happens with the Red Sox. Just a fucking Yankee hater. I, and I think, you know, I can rest assured at night, even if the Red Sox don't end up really doing too much this year, at least the Yankees aren't going to either. So I'll, I'll take whatever ends up happening. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well said. LOL at the Yankees. 
Um, sucks to be them. I want to know, Jack, uh, how do you know so much about the Lakewood Blue Claws? Can you um, expand on that a bit for us? No. No? Are you sure? Was Did it have anything to do with you living in New Jersey and working for them? No. Are you, are you sure? Because we used to hang out every weekend. We'd talk about the Lakewood Blue Claws, and now you're saying you know nothing about them. I, are you leaving me in the past? Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. Well, um, that's super rude. Uh, I think we're going to get some pinch hitters on for you next week. It's a shame because you're kind of the face of the podcast. I got benched for my attitude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know who else got benched for their attitude? Tim Anderson. This week was... No, he got knocked the fuck out for his attitude. Yeah, that's what I mean. He wasn't put on the bench by, you know, the rules. He was put on the bench by Jose Ramirez's fierce right hook. Ding dong. Um, Yeah, baseball needs a formal fighting system, I'm convinced. You know, it's great in hockey when the guys just drop the gloves and, you know, they get put in timeout for a little bit after that. And, you know, obviously I know why baseball would never encourage it. It's a very bad look. To you know, go from not fighting to allowing fighting. You kind of <laughs> always have to have it been that way, uh, and you know it's very rare that you actually see a good fight like that too. Usually, it's just guys bunch of pushing and shoving, bullpens come out for no fucking reason at all. Um, but you know, you had a real fight there, and uh, you had a clear winner as well, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the the fighting in Major League Baseball is actually a lot safer than a lot of activities that happen in the sport. Um, <laughs> sliding into second base, collisions at home plate. These are things that have been obviously eliminated from the game to an extent, but still happen every now and then, incidentally. Um, there has never been a fight in Major League Baseball where I was like, wow, this dude is hurt because of it, or he's like permanently fucked up. Tim Anderson, like he got... He got rocked. Got Jose rocked. Batista, Jose Batista got rocked. And I love seeing those two guys get rocked because they definitely have an inflated self um, view uh, of themselves. And, you know, it couldn't have happened, like, by two better guys, like Jose Ramirez and Rubnet Odor, like, just two, like, small <laughs> dudes that aren't really, like, in the best shape at all. And they just, like, those are the two only good punches I've seen in MLB fights. And they knocked out, like, Two really like fit dudes who are actual assholes who I, I fucking hate both of those dudes. And I you know, I loved every second of that. Yeah. No, it really couldn't have happened to worse people. And I mean <laughs> I'm not I, I think Jose Bautista is way worse than Tim Anderson. I think Tim Anderson That is a group. Yeah. Yeah, it, it you know, I, I'm a little mixed on him. I don't think he's a good player. I never really thought he was that good, truth be told. Um and I think he do, he does a lot more good things than um jose bautista like jose bautista had like no good qualities about him like there's at least some good ones about tim anderson yeah. uh but uh and you know same thing like rugnet odor he was a uh very young prospect that came up uh during the time you know he he's ended up being you know kind of a mediocre player at this point but like a lot of guys were cheering for him he had the beard he hit home runs uh same thing with jose ramirez you know a guy you look at and you like, you don't think he would probably finish in top five MVP in like each of the last five, six years, borderline Hall of Famer if he continues doing what he's doing. Love that he's in Cleveland on a cheaper deal than probably what he got to. Like he's definitely, you know, the face of that franchise. So for those two guys to do it against those two guys, just unbelievable. 
And, uh, you know, it's kind of like you almost wonder who that would be like on our team that would uh, be like the good guy throwing the fucking punch. Yeah, there are a lot of things I like about Tim Anderson, Uh, his 60 OPS plus, uh, his glass jaw, you know, a lot of things to like about Tim Anderson. But if you're asking me who I'd pick from the Red Sox to go out there with a with a fierce right hook to take on current reigning champion Jose Ramirez. I'm I'm partial to Justin Turner. He's you know, he's experienced, but one. Jesus Christ, this game fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how I don't do even get mocked by the Royals nine to fucking two? Like this is embarrassing, dude. This fucking sucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want <laughs> I, I wouldn't want any Red Sox player to fight Jose Ramirez, but I do think a fair fight for the Red Sox would be Devers versus Ramirez. I think Ramirez is obviously smaller than Devers, but He's scrappy, and Devers just – I feel like he would lack the fight tool. Like, I feel like he'd be a good wrestler. But <laughs> the I don't sixth think he'd, tool. The sixth <laughs> tool, exactly. I don't think he'd be a good fighter. Like, you know, square up, let's throw punches. Like, I feel like he might be a good, like, wrestler. But, you know, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. I don't think that he would be a good fighter. So let's say in this situation, because, like, we don't have – I don't think that quite douchebag that Jose Ramirez would punch. Like, who would punch Tim Anderson on our team? I would punch uh, Tim Anderson on our team. Okay. So are, are you saying, like, who, who's, like, who's, like, the biggest douche or who, who's, like... No, who would, who's, like, the good guy on our team that you would want to throw a punch to Jose Bautista? Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, oh, uh, yeah, I think that what Ian said, Justin Turner is a great, uh, yeah. great pick. Um. PK when he was here would have been a great pick for that. Um, mm. You know, Devers too. He's, he's nice. He's, he seems like a really nice kid. Um, you know, like Connor Wong seems really nice. You know, I think we have a, I can a see Reese McGuire nice. throwing that punch. Yeah. yeah. If he's you're really asking me, be. yeah, if you're asking me which, <laughs> which champion would I pick to represent the Red Sox in a fight, I'd send Justin Turner into the ring. Right with those high shiny blue boxer shorts and the in the big gloves, I'd choose Justin Turner. If someone's gonna volunteer to punch Tim Anderson, I think Webb, you're right. I think it's Reese McGuire. I think he'll punch someone any day. Yeah, I can see Cassis getting into a fight at some point in his career. Oh, I hope so. Uh, dude. He's he's just kind of like a little mm, like a little edgy, you know. Same thing with Duran. I could see him getting in a fight. Um, I could see Verdugo getting in a fight, you know. Um, yeah. At some point. All those attitude problems. Yeah, he's got some, can, some problems. So. I, I would say Chris Sale, too, but I am too worried about him being in any type of, uh, like, physical <laughs> contact. Not even a fight. Like, I'm really just worried about him shaking somebody's hand at Fenway Park at this point. Um, so, like, no thank you. But I feel like, you know, let's say prime 2018 Chris Sale, like, he would get at you with those crazy eyes. And, I mean, he can throw that arm hard. Like, there's no denying that. Like, he could definitely fuck somebody up. But um, now, um, you know, I would just worry about it uh, too much of him breaking every hand in his bone or every bone in his hand um, and, uh, you know, just being out until 2028. So, unfortunately, not Chris <laughs> even though I do love him. No, he would definitely break his hand, 100%. If he, if he connected with someone, he's breaking his hand. Two reasons. Number one, he's fragile as fuck. Uh, number two, he is he he does he I mean that arm action is some of the best that Major League Baseball has ever seen. Yeah. Uh, he is he is 
has the quickest arm, you know, you could have. And that that's going to – if you make contact with a jaw or a forehead or, or, or nose, or, I mean, you're going to fuck your hand up. And this guy especially. I mean, he's fucking fragile as shit. I was born with glass bones and paper skin. Yeah. Every morning yeah. I break my legs. And after afternoon I break my arms. Yeah, but, I mean, we're on Chris Sale. He's coming back on Friday. Do you think he starts putting a few Ws in the win column for the Sox? Or do you think at this point we say, take your time, heal, come back when you're ready, and we're going to gear up for 2024? I mean, he is coming back. uh, So uh, if we wanted to shut him down, then we would have already. We wouldn't have bothered to put him through. And he definitely is not a guy that would be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine with being shut down unless he has to be. He will come back in a a season like even 2020 if he's able to where uh, all hope is fucking lost. But, you know, I will take him over, you know, the opener every other day. I'll probably even take him over Cutter Crawford or someone like along those lines or certainly Denelson Lamed or whoever else that we're starting out there half the time. So I'll I'll take him when he's on the mound. But, uh, you know, it's just really hard to expect too much out of him really at this point, just given all the injury and all the time missed and, um, you know, um, a little inconsistent to begin the year, but he, he did look actually good by the time he left. So you hope you get that pitcher back. And I mean, if you do, that's great. Yeah. And, and Chris Sale has never been bad with the Red Sox. He had a couple bad starts before he had to get Tommy John, but that was obviously just because he was hurt. But whenever he's been healthy, he's been productive. Um, you know, but at this point, whatever you get out of Chris Sale for the rest of his career is simply a bonus. Um, and the, the the insanity of, you know, relying on him to be like an ace every year. Like I always see those like projected rotations for 2024 with like Yamamoto in it, which is incredibly exciting. And it's always like sale number one. I'm like, dude, no, uh, I'm sorry. Like you can't, you just can't like he's, he's put him at five, make him your fifth starter. Um, if he, if he gets shut down, great, you know, whatever, it's totally fine. You're missing your five starter. If he pitches, great you have a, a very productive pitcher for a whole season but you've got to stop relying on this guy i mean this is the definition of insanity same thing every year and you're seeing you're seeing with these guys coming back we're seeing a lot of of people getting dfa'd right and that log jam we've been talking about all year is really coming to a head we're seeing those pieces hit the edge of the dam we're seeing a lot of moves in recent days we saw blyer dfa today we saw the chang DFA for story. We saw Arroyo DFA'd. And then, of course, is back in the organization, which I'm grateful for. We're seeing that logjam come to a head. Uh, what do you guys think about the DFAs coming around and the DFAs going around? Who's next? Who are we dropping? And who are we making room for for Sale, Hauk, and Whitlock? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, usually it's a one for one type of thing. So you saw with uh, Urias coming over and. Um, story coming back it was yu chang and christian arroyo uh i think yu chang also has a possibility of going on claim since the bat was pretty bad this year and the glove was good maybe a team takes him for that uh but i could actually see him going back down to worcester and uh you know i'd be very happy if he did um and then dick blyer get the fuck off my team never really <laughs> wanted him here good riddance you know don't miss him at all i know we did dfa him for lamette who's also probably gonna uh be a guy that ends up being dfa before the year so, like, fucking Joe Jocks, um, uh, Yavero, or whatever his name is, they, they can just fuck off. I, you know, I, th- these are guys I'm never going to think about again. 
So uh, maybe even option down Murphy if he struggles uh, after his next, uh, you know, long relief appearance too, probably over the next few days. And that's fine as well, you know. Um, I don't mind it, especially if it's for a guy that you're getting back with a lot of innings in terms of Sale, Whitlock, and Hout. But, um, yeah, no, they're, they're, uh, these are guys that, you know, bridge pieces throughout a, good, or throughout a season, which you need. Um, not re- really going to miss any of them in particular. Yeah, I mean, that's just a lot of scrubs, you know, just a <laughs> lot of scrubs. And, I mean, that that is pretty normal. That happens with those bullpen guys. You, you do cycle through some throughout the course of the year. Even, you know, good teams do that. Um, they need, I think they could use a little more depth in the bullpen. But, um, you know, it is what it is. So, I, I obviously, all those guys you mentioned, I'll never think about them either for the rest of my life, thankfully. Um there's been so many of those, though, over the past three years. You know, it just sucks. It's just brutal. No. So much turnover. But and I'm also glad um, sucks. it was Yu Chang over Pablo Reyes, even before the huge game on Monday, which I think really cemented it. And, you know, maybe maybe the best Red Sox win of the year, just given uh, where the season was at in terms of, you know, the panic button and everything we really did need that and i'm glad it was a walk-off home run too you get that celebration you get the granny you get a lucky call um in terms of uh you know the check swing to urias which sometimes you know feels good to actually get a break like that too um so i'm glad it wasn't him you have a lot of utility and um uh you know he's a guy that i wouldn't mind being her backup infielder next year too um or maybe you get an upgrade over that as well who knows um but you know and i like you chang perfectly fine he filled in at shortstop because we literally knew Kike Hernandez was going to be awful and Bobby Dahlbeck's not a shortstop so it these are just really nothing guys to me I'm, I know a lot of people are a little bit upset about Yu Chang very nice guy loving him the WBC all that stuff but at the end of the day you know I I, I almost wish we did something a little bit more in the offseason than Yu Chang as our backup shortstop yeah, and, and and to be honest, last night before the game, I was kind of torn. I mean, I was close to 50-50 between Chang and Reyes. You know, I, I think that Reyes does more things on the on the baseball field, and, um, you know, Yu Chang isn't necessarily, like, great at any one thing either, although he does hit the ball hard. Um, and then, like, to see the way Pablo Reyes hit the ball last night um, – I, I like I like saying to a guy like, hey, like this is a big game. If you perform well, hey, we'll we'll keep you. I, I have no problem with that. I think that like too many decisions are set in stone instead of making guys work for it. If you DFA'd Pablo Reyes after the game last night, what a terrible message that's going to send to the team. It's like no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Your 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 position is set in stone. You're going to get sent down no matter what. You're going to have a starting role no matter what. Like, you can't send that message. You you, you got to keep Pablo after the game last night. And they did, so I'm glad for that. Yeah, well, that was a freaking ding-dong, wasn't it? You saw the second it came off the bat, that thing was over the monster if it hadn't hit the pesky pole. It felt so good to see Pablo Reyes, too, who we kind of got for a steal from, I think, the A's system when he came Yeah, we got him for literally nothing. Yeah, and to watch him hit a freaking walk-off Granny Smith apple at the bottom of the ninth, it felt great. It felt great. The guy deserved it. He deserved to be there. And one thing that's been really big 
especially with him hitting this this freaking ding dong. As we've seen in recent weeks, a lot of production from the bottom of the order, right? We're seeing surprise ding dongs from Yu Chang. We've seen Pablo Reyes getting on base. We've seen, I mean, Casas is the six, and then we move to the seven, usually Wong, Maguire. We're seeing production from the bottom of the order. Do you think that's a trend that continues? Do you think that's a trend that has saved us games? What do you think happens with that? I mean, like, you may get some production out of them, but truth be told, um, it's kind of embarrassing that we only scored two runs against the Royals and we let them tie it up. Uh, you know, same thing with the Blue Jays. We never really had too good of an offensive day. Three runs, then four, and then one against them. So uh, it really feels like, you know, even when those guys are going, maybe some of your big sluggers aren't. Durant's in a little bit of a slump. So uh, when this offense is all clicking together, you have five, six guys with OPSs above 800. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't always feel like the most consistent because sometimes it feels like their OPS is above 1,000, and then sometimes it feels like it's under 500. So uh, just a little bit of consistency all around, I think, would probably help out this team a little bit more. Um, and, um, you know, maybe uh, we're more in this game than 9-2. to two. Maybe it's 9-5 to five or 9-6 to six right now instead of that, and uh, you actually feel like there's a chance, but... When it's like a difference of like four or five runs, it really doesn't feel like we're too much into games. And, uh, you know, the back end of that bullpen right now uh, is really letting a lot of those, uh, you know, potentially close games uh, get out of hand and turn into laughers, essentially, kind of like right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good point. Well, gents, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the coming weeks with pitchers coming back. Today was Story's first game back, so I'm hopeful that next time we get ourselves on, we have some good news and that we're back in the hunt for a wild card spot. That'd be great, but I'm not too confident. Yeah, I mean, really, you got to start doing just about everything right. I kind of said it in the earlier in the episode, like every game matters pretty much uh, like the season's on the line because uh, we have about a 10% chance of making a uh, wild card spot right now. Um, and, you know, a few weeks ago, that was like 30 to 40%. You have a few game losing streak and you start really getting out of it. So we really can't have that again. We probably need to play uh, like 650 uh, baseball the rest of the way to even have a chance. And even then, you know, there's teams in front of us. So things need to break the right way. It's definitely possible. This is a good team. We have a lot of talent on there. Guys are coming back. Uh, You can hope for the best, but it really is do or die time because, you know, you can't hit September nine games out and, uh, uh, unless if you're to the 2009 or 2011 Rays and just get extremely lucky with another team collapsing. But um, yep. it just doesn't really feel, you know, that's obviously extremely unlikely. Yep. No, you're right. Well, hope for the best. Expect the worst. That is the um, basically the motto of being a Red Sox fan in the last two years. Um, but we, we, we continue. We, we power through. We continue. And I think a great place to sign off for the evening. I think we went over a lot of good stuff today. So I'll look forward to chatting again next week, gents. Yeah, hopefully so, you know, it's a positive episode. We've had a little bit of back and forth, um, really just the entire year, kind of like what it's out. Uh, you know, the it's over, we're back. Yep, <laughs> Let's for hope. Sure. All right. All right, guys. Good night. We'll see you soon. Bye.